Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. And this week we're going to start off the show by talking about the very topical spring statement. Did you listen in, Heather? I didn't listen in, no. No. I did a little bit of research after the event, but... um, Personally, if I'm honest, I find it quite tiresome listening to these things. I rather, I'd rather look at it afterwards and cut into what it is that actually was said. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I didn't listen, and I found it quite difficult researching for this little slot actually because everybody puts their own spin on it. So, I went to gov.uk, the website. And uh, it's in the news section there uh, and the summary of what was said. But it, it sort of it was in the words of the government. Mm. So it's like, OK, so a sense what of, does that mean to us? Yeah, you would say that, wouldn't you mm. sort of came mm. to mind? And then if you look at the papers, it's you know they've got their spin on it and this, that and the other. So I, I was just trying to find out, yeah, what actually does it mean to us? And uh, I, I came up with not a great deal maybe maybe four bullet points i think you came up with a bit more and the great source that you got was at a networking meeting this morning yes i was uh, and this is exactly where when you were saying about you know there's a different spin put on things I, I was at a networking meeting and an accountant stood up and basically just delivered some some core messages that he had got from an email that had been sent to him by um a tax specialist specialist firm um and so, yeah, he picked up uh, this whole cash and digital payments in the new economy. And, you know, are we are we actually going to get rid of, get rid of cash? Now, I don't know about you, but I I almost live in a cashless world and mm. then find that suddenly I haven't got anything to put in the machine for parking and I can't pay. <laughs> I can't get it to work paying by phone. So, so I know I live in a cashless world when I come to the Callan FM studios and can't get a coffee because yes. I haven't got anything in my Exactly. Purse so that so that was interesting. Um, he also picked up on um, corporation tax and the uh, digital economy. And, and that's a way of getting at, you know, these big boys like Amazon and eBay, you know, these massive online. The international. Internationals. Online, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how that how that works. Uh, and then one that I'd also picked up on is the uh, business rates review and the revaluation of business rates being brought forward. It was going to be in 2022. It's now been brought closer towards us in 2021 and a general feeling that this is going to be welcomed because uh, a lot of businesses have been struggling because of high levels of business rates um, particularly that for retailers and and um, uh, the hospitality trade catering uh, so that it's going to be welcomed that the review generally is hoped that it's going to be in a positive direction rather than in a negative direction. Well, maybe be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Well, you picked up on different things to me, so that's quite good. Um, I also picked up on um, the fact that they're they're putting more effort into reducing late payments for small business owners. And we, we talked about the new scheme that was in place to support businesses a few weeks ago. And there's still there's still not a lot on that website, you know, the commissioner that's doing that, you know, I, I don't quite know whether that's working out effectively, but I can say um, that there is a new initiative because the company I work for is, is at the sharp end of this. So um, a questionnaire has been sent out and large companies now, so we're, we're talking companies with over 200 and um, 
50 employees or turnover over 100 uh, over 30 million something in that region there's three categories to do with turnover size of balance sheet and number of employees and if you meet two of those then you have to fill in this questionnaire and it's basically looking at your payments so the payments you make to your suppliers and it's comparing what your um, official terms are with what the actual payment terms are mm-hmm. so and this, interestingly enough, is publicly available. So I went online yesterday and I got all of the submissions from all of these large companies in the last six months. I think it re- they really only started doing it in November. And, okay. and the company I'm working for is not actually having to make a submission until July. So it's six monthly blocks. And they're just basically saying, what's your average payment terms? What's the longest you've paid? What's the shortest you've paid? You know, what and maybe about. 10, 15 questions asked in total. So I think that's part of this initiative as well. It's a bit of a burden on the, the company that has to do it, but I think that that's the reasoning behind it. So what then would be the repercussions if you were if you were a big fish and you were repeatedly paying late? Well, I think that's the problem at the moment. There, there aren't really, there's no teeth in any of mm. the um, these initiatives. It's just about naming and shaming. But to be honest, I, I don't think some of the big corporations who... Um, getting the cash flow advantages from paying late uh, I'm that bothered about shame I'm not so Mm -hmm. sure Uh, but I think time will tell once it starts being visible maybe you make your decision about you know who you sell to but sometimes as a smaller business you don't have that choice it's difficult yeah that is difficult if if there's a big PLC wants to buy from you you know and and you know their payment terms are, are longer than you would expect how do you, how do you make that call judgment mm. call? But at least you know they're trying to make it more open, so mm. that's a start. Mm. The other thing that I thought you might be interested in, Heather, um, is that the government is uh, having a consultation. So that's the um, official way to talk about seeking views from the public on whether there should be more tax relief available on self-funded work-related training. As a self-employed person, I, well, to me, it, and uh, as a trainer, um, yeah, it's a no-brainer. I mean. Developing your staff and, de- and developing the skill set. Well, you know, we talk a lot in this country about skills gaps. Well, okay, encouraging people to develop and grow and learn um, is is a massive thing, and, and it's something that I certainly put at the front um, of everything. Uh, because if you're not growing and developing, then you're going to stand still. Uh, so anybody that um, that is investing in training, there is going to be tax relief, and I think that can only be a good thing well i don't know whether there is going to be well there's they're, they're seeking views but yes seeking <laughs> they're views, having a yes, consultation yes, on. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah and and they're also consulting on which is the same so yeah. they've not actually set um in stone but potential changes to the the vat registration threshold including um businesses allowing businesses a longer period after they go over the threshold to register so um th- there's a, there's a few positive things potentially in the pipeline um, but the other thing that I picked up on was, uh, wh- why? what is the spring statement? <laughs> yes, why do we need it? Yeah, because we didn't we have, have it? it, and it's, it's only a recent initiative, isn't it? So going back to a couple of years, is it, we've had the spring statement? Yeah, um, I, I, yes, I want to say three years, but... But I don't know if it can be, actually. <laughs> I don't know if it can be. Yeah, so um, I, I've got it in front of me. November 2016, oh, the Chancellor announced the plans to change the budget timetable. And it, it uh, included um, replacing um, the spring budget and the autumn budget with uh, one major budget, 
Mm-hmm. And then the spring statement is just a summary of what's going on. So a large part of the spring statement is what they've done since the last budget. Yes, okay. probably why it passes a lot of people by because, you know, in, in amongst all, is what what have we done? It's essentially you're going to say you've done good stuff, aren't you? Yes, you're going to you are going to accentuate the positive. You're listening to The Business Community and we'd love to hear your comments on today's episode. So please let us know what you think, either by filling in the comments box or why don't you pop along to our website, thebusiness.community. And if you say something nice, we'll give you a mention in the next episode. So we're at the part of the show now where we look at news and events. And we've obviously covered the, the big news, which was the spring statement. I've got I've only got a couple of events this this week but I think that they're they're really good ones or they have the potential to be really good ones one is next Wednesday the 21st of March up at Chester Racecourse this is the Chester Business Show uh, it runs from 10 till 3 um, and it has all sorts of things going on I, I'm busy that day but I, I do quite fancy this it starts off at half past 10 with a, a networking session which is run by 4Networking which is a national uh, networking group uh, and then there are a number of seminars so there's a, so the networking is at 10 30 but simultaneously there's a workshop about managing performance um, that's conducted by a company called workplace who i've not heard of uh, but they're looking at um, um, managing performance and using real life examples and an opportunity for people to to talk about their experiences and requirements. At half eleven, there's how to get more paying customers, uh, delivered by a lady called Karen Yates, and she talks about niching. You know how to set yourself up as an uh, in an in a niche marketplace. At half eleven, there's how to raise your profile, manage your reputation and get noticed. There's a countdown to GDPR. There's social media on a small business budget, which we all we all need to know more about. And then one that I really fancy is how to get more business through LinkedIn. Uh, And then at at half past one, uh, the last session's got an interesting uh, title, Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts by uh, a guy called Jeff Nicholson. So, it looks like a really varied uh, session there, and that's at Chester Racecourse next Wednesday. And then slightly further on in time, but I think worth flagging up now, the 18th and 19th of April at Manchester Central in the uh, the exhibition centre there, uh, there's the Northern Business Exhibition, which brings together thousands of professionals every year, making it the largest business show in the north of England. It is the go-to event for anyone starting or growing a business, as well as for business professionals looking to improve skills and develop key relationships through networking. There, It's free. There are work, expert-run workshops. There are one-to-one expert appointments, which you book in advance. These are 20-minute um, one-to-ones around sales, marketing, branding, finance, legal issues. Uh, There's also a great competition uh, where budding entrepreneurs get five minutes to pitch a business idea to a panel of experts. I'd love to be sitting on the panel for that. Um, And then there's also some facilitated networking. So that's a great opportunity for people to get in touch with people that they really want to meet and mingle with. So I just thought that looked really good. It's next month, so plenty of time to plan around that. That's a two-day event, 18th and 19th of April in Manchester. And we'll put the links for the events, as always, on our blog, which is at 
um, the business.community. The website there has um, a podcast version of the show and it also has a short summary of what we say with all the links in there as well and a photo if we remember to take a photograph of ourselves in the studio, which we will remember to do today. Heather. We will, we will definitely. We will, because I've written a big note on the desk to say photo. <laughs> Good old post-stitch, can't beat them. Uh, uh, for my part, uh, I looked into um, the, the the statement, the spring statement, when we were talking about cash and the digital economy. So we were bemoaning the fact that we never carry cash, just like the Queen. Heather's never got any money to buy a coffee in the vending machine. Oh, <laughs> yes. And just like the Queen, yes, uh, she doesn't carry any cash in her purse, apparently. But then again, often I find the only cash I do have in my purse are one and two pence coins. Now, there are no current plans to scrap the one and two pence coins. So it is just a consultation. And I had a look at the BBC and they explain this quite well. So there's an article on the BBC News website um, from the 13th of March. And they're, they're saying that, the government is inviting comments on the mix of coins in circulation. And um, a lot of countries apparently have already got rid of these small denomination coins, Canada, Australia, Brazil and Sweden, apparently. Um, and I know because our head office is in Norway, I, I get told quite a lot that um, that there's virtually no cash used in Norway at all. So, you know, that they... Um, quite askance at you when you offer them coins and actually Real everybody pays by cash. card, yeah. Um, but in in the research that's been done, a survey says that uh, six in ten of UK one and two pence coins are used only once <gasps> before they're put in a jar or discarded. And one in 12 of these are actually just thrown in the bin. Wow! And, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? That in order to replace those coins that are falling out of circulation, the Royal Mint has needed to produce more than 500 million one and 2p coins every year. Goodness me. Just for the ones that are going into jars or are going in the into bin. Into the bin. Yeah. So, and actually, the value of the one pence coin has been reduced by inflation as well. So, um, when the half penny was abolished in 1984, can you believe it's that long ago, Heather? The 1p coin is now worth less than the half penny was in 1984. I was having a conversation this week with a, a youngster, a sort of 15-year-old, and saying about that we used to have half pennies, and they just kind of didn't believe me. They're like, why? Because you can't buy out. anything. And I said, no, no, you used to be able to. Well, and did you know, I, I didn't know this, this is quite interesting, um, that the 1p coin is only legal tender for amounts up to... 20 pence well yeah because all that's true of all um lower denomination coins i remember finding that out when i was a kid that's why the temptation if somebody really cheeses you off to walk in with you know nine pound fifties worth of uh, yeah. pennies is it is not permitted to pay debts with a sack full of pennies Oh, what a shame. However, at the other end of the scale, there is also um, consideration of the £50 note. Do you have many of those in your purse? Uh, you have a lot yeah. of those in my yeah, purse. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. And they don't go in the vending machine. <laughs> they don't go in the bin, do they? No, 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 they don't. Well, apparently the £50 note is rarely used for purchases. And there is significant demand from overseas for the £50 note. But they're saved. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and there is also um wide perception that 50 pound notes are only used really for money laundering and in the hidden e e economic activities and oh. tax evasion 
Okay, so um, they're considering whether whether to continue with the fifty pound note. So if you if you're into money laundering, uh, you heard it here first. Twenties yeah. are the way forward. But another interesting <laughs> statistic <laughs> is that uh, two point seven million people in the UK are still entirely reliant on cash. So we're we're far from being a cashless society, mm. and if if the moves are made too quickly in order to get rid of all of this cash, there's going to be a large um, proportion of people who are financially excluded. Yes. So that's not good news. But if you're interested in finding out more about this, the consultation document is available at the government website, gov.uk. It's a big, long link, so I won't read it out now, but you can find it on our website, which is a lot easier to find, and it's thebusiness.community. So what we like to do on this show is give you reviews and often we're reviewing books or apps or all sorts of things. But Tracy and I went to an event, so we thought we'd review the event on the 6th of March up at um, Chester Uni in the Capital Bank building. We went to an evening seminar by a guy called Paul Mackey called Thinking Outside the Box. And we quite liked the idea of that. And I think we plugged it as a, an event. We did and then signed up for it. And signed up because yeah. we thought so it, it does happen. Great. We do exist outside yes. the studio. So we had a bit of a night out. And the first thing I have to say is the building itself wow. was amazing. Wasn't it? And the history behind it yes. as well. But actually... Let's put the history to one side for a minute. We fell in love with the facility, didn't we? We did. It, yeah. it was it was grand. I mean, apart from when I, we first arrived, I parked and thought, oh, I don't really know where I'm going. And then when I realised I was going into this massive building that was directly in front of me, I felt a bit stupid. But uh, a beautiful sort of atrium feel to it, yeah. some fantastic meeting rooms, like glass-fronted meeting rooms that you can use. And along the corridors were interesting little meeting pods. Oh, yeah. In fact, we yeah, sat in, we did we sat in sit one there, yeah. to pretend we were having a meeting. That looked like a great My facility. only grand was the seminar room was great the um, audio visual facilities were great but there were those little seats with the flip around tables and yes. I, I'm, I'm a broader sort of lady you're generous in yes certain <laughs> I, areas I, I, I fill the space available to me um and I, I was very uncomfortable in the seat yeah and I I mean I'm not the smallest kid on the block and I I struggled as well so that would be the only it, it was it was brilliant, yeah. but that would be the only um, set to. But um, I think if the seats had been spaced out more, yeah. then you would have had more room to you slide in under your table. Yeah, I could have slid the table over to the right yes. a little. Yeah. Anyway, that, that was a small gripe and it's nothing yeah. to do with the talk. No, the talk was fantastic. And yeah. it, was quite, it was quite well attended. Yeah, I, I, they were expecting, did they say, over 40? But yeah. I think the weather had messed things up a little bit. Um, but there were still over 20 people yes. there. Yeah. And it was described as a public lecture, part of a lo- public lecture series. So yes. actually, I think I need to find out what's in the series. Um, because I think it was, as it was free, I can't say it was good value for money, but it was actually good use of our time, yes. I thought. Yes, yeah, yes. And I I don't know about you, but when you go to lots of workshops and you, you're encountering lots of different ways of thinking about things, to actually come away with some stuff and think, yeah, I can use that yeah. is fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's it good. It's an area that interested us anyway, I think, but I, I think he would have got 
most people engaged. I, I gather that they go, they do this in um, for corporate training anyway, and they do it as part of their chartered um, manager degree apprenticeship, which he did mention, and give a plug for because it's quite a new program that they do. So th- they are dealing with people who aren't specifically going just because they're interested in that subject mm. matter. Mm. So I, th- I think the fact that we were interested in thinking outside the box and and parallel thinking and all of that creativity wouldn't have precluded anybody else I, th- I think it was it was well written in such a way that even if you didn't realize that it would be interesting or, or useful to you it was it was accessible to everybody whatever level you were operating yeah. um whether academically or or you know in business or i think it, it it had appeal for everybody, I think. Yeah. So what did you something. learn, Heather? What did I learn? Well, we did, um, as, a, as, a, as a presenter, as a trainer, I'm always interested to, to observe other people's training styles. So that's always really useful for me is sort of make a few little mental notes about things that I particularly liked or things that I hope I don't do. Uh, yeah, and you always get that. You always get that. Um, but I think it was it was positioned really well at the start. I think it was really timely. But what... What I learned was we used a technique um, called the challenge technique yeah. to uh, think outside the box about something that actually a business idea that I've never had to think about, which was dry cleaning. Yes. And so we were asked to consider dry cleaning and write down, uh, it was a sort of two-pronged attack, a- attack, everything that we believed to be true and we were accepting of in terms of the process of dry cleaning of clothes. Yes. Is that fair? Yeah, accepted yep. truths yep. of, of yep. dry cleaning. Yeah. Yep. So And so we worked in pairs, didn't we? And We, we did. Um, we, we, we chose each other. <laughs> yeah, because we, we were sitting next to each other. That was and quite I wasn't going to change my seat after nope. having got myself into it. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, we started to, to think about all of the different things that, you know, that, that dry cleaning is... Um, Dry. <laughs> we yes. really, we. I mean, we and were very literal. Clean and cleaning. Yeah, yeah, clean. And you drop your clothes off. And you have to take your clothes off. You take your clothes off. Yeah, you. Um, you drop them off and you pick them up a few days later. Plastic bag. Uh, they're in a plastic bag on Wire a hanger. Coat hanger. Yeah. Um, could be expensive. You know, you pay to to get them cleaned, and so we end up with this long list of things that are givens and that we don't question about dry cleaning uh, so that was our starting point but then we were invited uh, to think about it slightly differently so Tracy what what did we start to do <laughs> we we actually listed then well we went through each one of those givens and wrote down the exact opposite so um it was like it's not dry it's wet yeah <laughs> it's not clean it's dirty um, you don't leave your clothes, you stay with your clothes. You don't have to take your clothes off, you leave your clothes on. Yeah. So it, you didn't judge at that point, you just stated the opposite of it. Yeah. So it it wasn't expensive, it was cheap, or you don't have they to pay. Paid they, you. they pay you. Yes, yeah. that was... Um, all of these things, and we we came down with the opposites. And then the next step of that was to to choose a number of those that you could then develop into a business model. Yeah. And we had we had fun. We had giggles, but I think everybody from from the energy in the room, everybody was really keen to share the little ideas, the inspiration that they had from that. And really interestingly, although there were some similar sort of themes and a little bit of overlap, there must have been six or seven different 
business models came out of yeah. that exercise. Yeah. All different ideas. So you take your, you go to the gym in your business suit and you, you do all the gym stuff and your suit's cleaned while you're there. Yeah. yeah. It's a subscription service. Or they come to your house to clean and do your dry cleaning. You could do it yourself. That was one of the things. That the assumption is that dry cleaning, you have to take it somewhere. You can't do it at home. So then there was, okay, they could come to your house and do it, as you say. Yeah. It, so I can really imagine using that in in a way of thinking. This is the other thing that I really picked up on, is, um, and I'm going to take this one forward, is that um, he was talking about, you know, you go into these meetings and they say, yes, right, we're going to have a, um, a discovery session and a creative session. And he always says, you always then have to say, what tools are we going to use? That's so important yep. because you can't just suddenly... You know, be creative and pull it out of thin air. And uh, he was a great advocate for the different tools that you can use. One of which belongs to chap that we're talking about in the last section, mm. Edward de Bono's, and and one of the tools that I've used a lot. But I, I think this challenge tool, and he did say it's often called revolution as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I think that that's the biggest learning point for me was if somebody says we're going to be creative, you say okay. What tools are we going to use? And if they haven't got an idea, you come up with a suggestion. You need so a you're framework. not wasting your time yes. just trying to pluck creativity out of thin air. Yeah, there needs to be a structure. And I think that, you know, some of the things that we touched on, you know, they were crazy. But actually, as a group, you go, well, hang on, what if that wasn't crazy? What what would it take for that to be viable? What would it take for that to be feasible? And one quote, and I love quotes, one quote, he used a Mark Twain quote, which said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Excellent. So what would, would you say... Anybody thinking of going to one of these um, public lectures, highly recommended. I would also say the follow-up was great. So um, we, we got an email from the organiser, mm -hmm. not just with the slides, but with a whole 26-page um, document, written document, with, with all the details in about what lateral thinking is and some descriptions of uh, different methods that they use. So... Yeah, for a free event, I'd say pretty good value. And what I also took away is sometimes if you don't spend a lot of time in a learning environment, when you go into a learning environment, it just energises you and it opens your mind to, oh, my goodness, yes, knowledge and learning. Remember that. And so that was that was a great thing. So you start reading up and I'll oh, just look at that. And, you know, I wrote down a couple of things that I sort of Googled when I got back. Phrases that I'd never heard before. There was some a lady in the audience used a phrase a neoliberal approach in education what is that you know you go I haven't googled it but I've written it down as <laughs> something that I need to just it's a phrase I've never heard so okay maybe I should if people are using it I should know about it you know that's a takeaway for you now this is the part of the show where we talk about a business guru and this week rather fittingly because we've been um, talking about um, thinking outside the box we've chosen Edward de Bono one of the pioneers of brain training and um, back in the 60s he invented the world famous lateral thinking technique and uh, I've, I've been using one of his methods and maybe more but one of them I actually use as a thinking tool and a facilitation tool in meetings and sort of creativity I've talked it and also used it as well and that's the six thinking hats and that's actually from 1985 and this guy's been around a long time like a lot of these gurus I think longevity is obviously yeah. the order of the day as well 
Uh, he was born in 1933 um, and in Malta. And he's described as a psychologist, philosopher, author, inventor and consultant. I like that. He's my sort of man. He's, mm. he's does everything. Yeah. Renaissance man. And um, yeah, his first book, I think, was called The Use of Lateral Thinking in 1967. And um, it's, it's a way of solving problems through imaginative approaches. And uh, I think all of... Um, industry trainers and, and and you probably used a number of his techniques without perhaps even knowing over the years, Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I don't know a lot about the guy. That's the, the the only thing when I was doing the research. I know a lot about lateral thinking books and six thinking hats and all the tools. But what about the actual guy himself? What did you find? Well, he is quite difficult to find. Um find information about in you know what his what is his story but i think what sums up the way that he thinks is he talks about how to make the most of your thinking skills and that thinking is not the same as intelligence yeah i think that's really important and that yeah. thinking is a mechanism it's a process intelligence is knowledge is experience it's it's data and i think if we can if we can think about that so yes he he invented or came up with the term lateral thinking, which is looking creatively. And logical thinking is a process of clearly moving from one related thought to another. So you work through logically, as it says. Um, I use the six thinking hats a lot. I teach it. Uh, And I just picked up a couple of quotes about the impact of using his his thinking strategies and his decision-making strategies often. Um, JP Morgan, the huge investment banking firm, they've said that using the six hats has reduced their meeting times by 80% and changed their corporate culture across Europe. So it, it saves so much time because you have a structure. So you're telling people how to think we're going to think like this for a little while. Then we're going to think like that for a little while. Yeah, I, I've used it um, re- very recently with my new employer and they were having an innovation day. And I, I said exactly what we were talking about in the last link, which is what tools are we going to use? And they just thought they'd go into a room and, and write stuff on the, on the board. So I actually use six thinking hats because you know we went through all of this. And particularly where you're using... Um, a group of people from different levels in the organisation. It gives everybody the opportunity to talk. Yes. And it also makes those people that are maybe always negative the opportunity (laughs) or forces them to be positive. And the ones who are always positive and don't like to say negative things, the opportunity they have to step into the space of being negative really levels the playing field in that respect. But yeah, it it really helps you to keep to time as well because you keep it fast moving. I, I love it. Absolutely brilliant. If you've not looked it up, where did you get the resources from, Heather? Where, where would you well, I recommend? Alre- well, I already have the Six Thinking Hats book, but but even very simply, if you Google Edward de Bono Six Thinking Hats, you will find the framework. And okay, the book goes into a lot of detail and starts to explain how and why. But for those who aren't familiar with it, essentially, it is if you can imagine six well hats of different colours, which represent different mindsets Uh, so you know there's a blue hat which is this is what Tracy's talking about you know how are we going to think about this problem what what do we need to think about and then you look at a white hat is you know what data have we got a red hat is what you know let's think about this from an emotional standpoint black let's 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 look at this from you know a dark you know pessimistic standpoint 
yellow as you might expect is let's let's or, you know with a fair wind and if everything goes according to plan what's the best thing that could happen here and the green hat which is the one where um things really shine and it t- it's a little bit like the uh, the dry cleaning idea that we were talking about that's where you just throw away the rule book and you just think creativity create creatively uh, about you know well where could we go with this how outside of the box what what's possible so you you use these hats and everybody you have somebody who's in charge of the hats and every time somebody starts talking red hat when you're meant to be focusing on black hat you control the meeting by saying hang on a minute that's red hat yeah we're it, meant it gives to be the talking facilitator black. a tool to control the yeah. meeting without yeah. coming across as being bossy yes. or yeah. you know or yeah. trying to direct yeah it hold much. that thought because we'll be talking green yeah. hat in a minute or whatever yeah. um one of the insights that i got re- trying to research the man um i think i got most from it by looking at his uh, some of the quotes i found about what he said about british schools okay and and he he believes that thinking should become a school subject and apparently although i, I found it difficult to verify that apparently in venezuela thinking is on the curriculum oh, brilliant it should be but it, he he didn't say that um, in fact, that the British tend to believe that intelligence is enough and that if you're intelligent, you must be good at thinking. But he says that some mighty intellectuals are extremely bad thinkers. Mm. And he really thinks that the, there is a great danger that teaching somewhere that somewhere out there is the answer and, and all you have to do is go and look for it and find it rather than, you know, to actually creatively create it mm. indeed. Mm. And, and and I think, he th- you know, he, he sort of sees the internet as being that, you know, it's out there in the internet. Just go and look on the internet and find it. And uh, he thinks it stops them coming up with an answer for themselves. And the information on its own isn't necessarily valuable. And it does, it does uh, make me ponder, you know, who who's going to do new thinking? Where are new ideas going to come from if everything eventually is going to be just regurgitated through, yeah. you know, We've just lost Stephen Hawking, you know, Professor Stephen Hawking. You know, that was that was new thinking. Yeah. Uh, so there will be people who think like that, but perhaps not in the same way because it, yeah. the Internet exists, that portal exists. So for, for me, Edward de Bono, and, and if what he said could be taken on board, I mean, I think there's a lot of people thinking like this about education. There, mm. there, there is a undercurrent about changing the way that we teach rather than teaching people to you know to learn facts and regurgitate yep. facts it's actually to think about things and, and you know and to use that intelligence that they've got to to actually think creatively so fingers crossed mm, mm. now we finish the show normally with a quote mm. so i'm going to start with mine heather uh, the quote of edward de bono that i've chosen is if you never change your mind why have one Mm, very good. The one that I like is an idea that is developed and put into action is more important than an idea that exists only as an idea. Excellent way to end the show. <laughs> You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.